Good morning, Adam. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi to your cat crochet. Jeff, welcome. Glad you're here. Hi, Susan. Still in Chicago, Susan, or back? I'm hoping you come back sometime. Buenos dias, uh, uh, Julie, how are you? Como estas? Well, we're looking forward to having you back. Okay, I've run the full gamut of my expertise in Spanish, so I won't respond to that, Julie. <laughs> Paul, hi, welcome, good morning to you. <clears throat> Morning, Michael. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Emily, welcome to you from Silver Spring, right? My former residence in Silver Spring. I moved to Bethesda about a year ago. <clears throat> Good morning, Rachel. Good morning, Naomi. Morning, Jennifer and Adam. Good morning. So I put on two masks yesterday and went and had a haircut. I'm feeling a little cool around the ears, but happy to be here with you. Morning, Shirley. Good to have you here today. Oh, it was a haircut, Jeff. Hey, Joe. 
Welcome from Lexington, Massachusetts. <clears throat> Morning, Stacy. Thanks for coming back. Good to have you with us today. Morning, John. Morning, Abby. Welcome this morning. Christine, welcome to you too. Good morning. Hey, John, good morning to you. So I've just heard that we should be on Facebook now. Okay, maybe we should get started. Welcome. Uh, please say hello in the chat, as many of you have been doing already. Um, the, uh, if you're visiting from another ethical society, be sure to mention that, and uh, it will be wonderful to know that you're with us today. If you want to share your messages with everyone, please be sure that your chat settings are for all panelists and attendees so that everybody can see what you're saying. This is a really good time to get a candle to light during our candle lighting, then settle into a comfy chair with your beverage of choice as we continue to gather. Morning to Margaret, Patricia, <clears throat> Perry. You're all very welcome. Thanks Rajesh, it's so good to see everybody, at least see your names in the chat. Good morning and welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I'm Lynn Cox. You can use they, them pronouns for me, and I'm the interim leader here. Today's platform is about the power of imagination as we work toward a beloved community, a world free of racism and other interlocking oppressions. Opening words this morning are adapted from the Reverend William Sinkford. There is so much work to do. We have only begun to imagine justice and mercy. May we hold fast to our vision of what can be. May we see the hope in our history and find 
the courage and the voice to work for that constant rebirth of freedom and justice. That is our dream. Let us gather together. We begin today's platform with music from the UU Voices Ensemble. This is King for a Day. Dream. 
Wow, that was awesome. Welcome once again to the Washington Ethical Society. Uh, I'm Rajesh Vidyasaga, my pronouns are he, him, his, and I'm today's efficient. Visitors, we especially welcome you from near and far. We hope that you'll say hello in the chat and that you might send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, at M-A-C-E-O-T at Washington, uh, sorry, at ethicalsociety.org. You can also fill out a connection form. Maceo will put that link in the chat. And we hope that you will join us after the platform service for a chance to say hello. Our chat will stay open through much of the platform service, closing for the address itself and then reopening. If you don't want to see the chat, this is a good time to minimize it. Each week, a member of our community reads our statement of purpose so that we might hear our shared values in each other's voices. If you're interested in taking a turn to read the statement of purpose, you can sign up at tiny.cc forward slash read SOP. This week, our reader is Bonnie Blockham. Bonnie's a long-term member of the Northern Virginia Ethical Society. She joined West this fall. She's also on the AEU Policy Committee, and by profession, she is a trade policy specialist. I invite Bonnie to read our statement of purpose. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanist congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each other's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We warmly invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you, Bonnie. Now, if you have a candle at home, I invite you to light it now as I share our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Thank you, Rajesh, and thank you, Bonnie, for being our reader today. So folktale and then a little context. And obviously with the folktale, I don't know if it happened exactly this way, but I believe it's true. There was a man named Rip Van Winkle who liked to share stories and was kind to children, but he avoided hard work or anything he thought unpleasant. One day, as the story goes, he found a nice grassy place on a mountain and he fell fast asleep. But this was no ordinary nap. Rip Van Winkle slept for over 20 years. 20 years, what do you think he missed? According to the story, the most important thing that Rip Van Winkle missed was the American Revolution. When he went up the mountain, he lived in a British colony. And when he came down 20 years later, he lived in the new United States. 
And this is an old and famous story, but maybe you'd be surprised to know that it was a favorite of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s. It's one that he told a lot. In fact, he told it to a huge crowd of Unitarian Universalists in 1966. And he talked about the civil rights movement and he urged all of those who heard him to wake up, to not sleep through the big changes that were happening all around as black people and their allies worked to gain equality and human rights. He asked white people in particular not to be asleep, not to ignore injustice and he urged people to wake up. Well, these days, a new set of leaders from the Black, Indigenous, and people of color community are sending that same message that Dr. King sent so many years ago. Wake up. Many of the injustices, much of the unfairness is still here, and there are some new injustices. Wake up. So I'm gonna ask you to help me deliver this message to the people around you, maybe be just to our own minds and hearts. Can you help me? Let's practice saying, wake up to injustice. I know you're muted. Let's say it anyway. Your pets and houseplants will hear you. Wake, wake up, up to injustice. One more time. Wake up, to, wake injustice. up to injustice. Thank you. And many people who have not been paying attention, who have been asleep, are waking up to injustice, thanks to the new leaders. As you go about your week and you think about what the year ahead might bring, talk to your loved ones about the times when they have woken up to injustice and perhaps are waking up even today. So ends the story. Thanks for listening. As we awaken to our purpose and our values in this moment of history, let's enter into the centering time of our platform. Each week, we ring a chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I'm particularly mindful of our incoming president and vice president and administration as they confront, confront the public health crisis and the devastation that it has wrought, taking lives and destroying communities. Also, we are mindful of all those who are working to ensure that the inauguration goes forward safely and smoothly. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. Now is the time for meditation. Make yourselves comfortable, close your eyes if you like, or soften your gaze. Let's take several deep breaths in and out.
in and out. This is a time for dreaming and for remembering. Breathe in deep and breathe out. Remember the dreams that you had for yourself when you were younger? Bring them back. Remember the joy and pleasure of dreaming those dreams. Give them space again. Breathe in deep. Breathe out. You may have realized some of those cherished dreams and some you may not have. And that's okay. Just honor the dreams. And honor yourself. Breathe in and breathe out. Think about the dreams you have for yourself right now. Honor them. Cherish them. Give them life-giving renewal. Breathe in deep. Breathe out. We'll continue in our meditation in silence for a minute. Wake up, despierta, 
This reading comes from the book Emergent Strategies, Shaping Change, Changing Worlds by Adrienne Marie Brown. The excerpt is from the chapter called Creating More Possibilities, How We Move Forward Toward Life. We're touching the future, reaching across boundaries and post-apocalyptic conditions to touch each other to call each other out as family, as beloveds. All that you touch, you change. And all that you change, changes you. We are making ourselves vulnerable enough to be changed, which will of course change what black existence means. Octavia Butler, who gave us that philosophical spirit poem, Earth Seed, that I just quoted is a bridge for many of us between this world and the narratives that pull us through the next realm, to the parallel universe, to or the future in which we are the protagonists. We are creating a world that we have never seen. We're whispering it to each other, cuddled in the dark, and we are screaming it at people who are so scared of it 
that they dress themselves in war regalia to turn and face us. Because of our ancestors, because of us, and because of the children we are raising, there will be a future without police and prisons. Yes, there will be a future without rape, without harassment and constant fear and childhood sexual assault. A future without war, hunger, violence, with abundance. Where gender is a joyful spectrum, where my nephew would not be bullied for the, his brilliant differentness. Where each of our bodies is treated like sacred ground, whether we have insurance or not. Visionary fiction, a term that Walidaw Imarisha coined, includes sci-fi, speculative fiction, fantasy, magical realism, myth, all of it. In addition to this intentional genre side, visionary fiction intentionally explores how change happens from the bottom up, how change works in collective ways, disrupting the single white male hero narrative, centering marginalized communities, meaning that we are the center of the story as opposed to the sexy and unbelievably stylish sidekick. And visionary fiction is hard and realistic and hopeful. It's neither utopian nor dystopian. It's more like life. Imagination is one of the spoils of colonization, which in many ways is claiming who gets to imagine the future for a given geography. Losing our imagination is a symptom of trauma. Reclaiming the right to dream the future, strengthening the muscle to imagine together as black people is a revolutionary decolonizing activity. Thank you, Rajesh. Um, I really appreciate your reading of that passage. Uh, it was hard to choose a passage from Emergent Strategy. Um, and I really love how you brought those words to life. We are creating a world we have never seen, writes Adrienne Marie Brown. On this weekend, as we remember the legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and we support a peaceful transfer of power, we recommit to his legacy and the work of civil rights yet to do. It may seem like a luxury or a distraction to engage with imagination. It is not. Just like we cannot allow oppression to steal our joy, we cannot let it steal our imagination. Neither threats of violence nor attempts to push us into recreating a fictional and regressive society of the past, nor manufactured austerity preventing relief from reaching working people, nor white supremacy in any form should be allowed to steal our imagination our ability to dream of a better world, of better worlds, is a matter of collective survival. So what does it take to dream big? 
what fuels our ability to imagine a future without limits like racism, classism, and sexism. Entering a dream state where equality is possible takes some practice. Music can get us there. Listening to activists who are moving our society forward can help us get into that frame of mind. Great art can invite us into that kind of transformative trance. Dreaming is important. Dreaming gives us creativity, energy, a warm vision around which we can gather as a community. And dreaming is not enough. Once we have imagined a better world, we have, we have to, and we get to, build it, to keep building it, and to rebuild the parts that got torn down when we weren't paying attention. The next step is to use those dreams as a doorway to action. Dr. King's words and actions demonstrated connections between systemic racial inequality, economic injustice, war, threats to labor rights, and blockades to voting rights. All of those forces are still relevant. He and other activists of his era left a very rich legacy for which we are grateful, and we are not done. I'll be drawing today from Dr. King's 1963 work, Letter from a Birmingham Jail. And I think the critiques that he offered in that letter are still valid, especially for us in this community that strives to be anti-racist and yet must acknowledge that we are impacted by the norms of what Dr. King calls the white moderate. His letter was a response to Christian and Jewish clergy who had written an open letter criticizing nonviolent direct action. And though ethical culture uses different language and methods than our explicitly theist neighbors, I think it is incumbent upon us to hold on to the accountability that comes with being part of the interfaith community. So I'd like for us to imagine that this letter is written to us as well. Dr. King writes, I must confess that over the last few years, I have been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the great stumbling block in the stride toward freedom is not the white citizens counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I can't agree with your methods of direct action, who paternalistically feels that he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by the myth of time, and who constantly advises us to wait until a more convenient season. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. Ends the first quote. So I'd like to think that in this community, we have made some progress since 1963 and that majority white communities have stopped explicitly trying to slow the pace of civil rights. Indeed, West can be proud that racial justice has been woven into its goals from the beginning, though we must also be honest that a perfectly anti-racist history is unlikely. At the same time, I see people who claim to be progressive, not, not at West necessarily, but around. I see people who claim to be progressive rushing to calls for civility or unity without accountability. 
understanding the direct link between the intended audiences of the letter and people and communities with which we have kinship today is an act of imagination that we must embrace in order to learn from the past and to continue Dr. King's legacy. Letter from a Birmingham jail can help us understand why we need to dream of something different in the world. We need dreams and we need plans. We seek inspiration as we continue to work toward bringing a dream of economic and spiritual and political equality fully into reality. One place I turn for inspiration is towards socially conscious, conscious science fiction. Looking at how the art form has offered critiques of what's wrong and pathways to what's right, I see suggestions for how we can nurture the dream of a better world. Science fiction has even helped me understand spiritually connected social movements, such as the one depicted in Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents by Octavia Butler. And that's one of the books that uh, Adrienne Marie Brown quoted earlier. So the series depicts a self-governing poetic community that tries to live sustainably in an environment affected by catastrophic climate change and that maintains an improbable vision of exploring the stars. The poetry uses the word God, but not in the way it's normally used. So recognizing that Wes is not a community that makes use of theism, I hope you'll be able to hear how the metaphor is used in the world of the story. In Parable of the Talents, the main character, Lauren Olamina, writes a poem for her community. God is change, and hidden within change is surprise, delight, confusion, pain, discovery, loss, opportunity, and growth. As always, God exists to shape and to be shaped. In the book, the community reflects on change in meditation and song, and is therefore able to use that energy to maintain resilience, even in the face of white supremacist violence and criminalization. Butler imagines an inclusive community led by people of color who strengthen and encourage one another, inject their strategic planning with an expectation for backlash, and still imagine and make their way toward a better world. Her books provide inspiration to those who know that the negative extremes of the world of the story are possible. Socially conscious science fiction spins dreams that are extreme, that challenge us in good ways. In science fiction and in practical experience with progressive movements, we learn that dreams need help to become reality. The alternate universe where justice rolls down like water may seem too fantastic to believe and may be cobbled together in ways that seem mismatched to mundane perceptions, and it will certainly take work to achieve. Nevertheless, like Dr. King, I believe we must use time creatively. The first thing to note about dreams, whether sleeping or socially conscious, is that they are extreme. Things that would be totally absurd or unthinkable in everyday reality are woven into the fabric of a new vision. The dream might be a positive one in which we imagine what it would be like to live in a better world. On the other hand, dystopian dreams can also be effective in stirring us to action. In an imagined world, we are met with the possibility that a flaw in our current society might go too far. Absurdity comes uncomfortably close to the truth. 
Dr. King spoke about the role of discomfort in letter from a Birmingham jail, saying that nonviolent direct action is meant to bring that discomfort to bear so that those in power will sit down and negotiate to recognize people of good conscience. This is different from using violence as coercion, which is destructive to democracy. This is using peaceful means to declare the right of people to have a voice and what concerns them. Dr. King writes, nonviolent direct action seeks to create such a crisis and establish such creative tension that a community that has consistently refused to negotiate is forced to confront the issue. It seeks so to dramatize the issue that it can no longer be ignored. I just referred to the creation of tension as part of the work of the nonviolent resistor. This may sound rather shocking, but I must confess that I am not afraid of the word tension. I have earnestly worked and preached against violent tension, but there is a type of constructive nonviolent tension that is necessary for growth." End quote. So tension has a place in literature and drama that can also be used for racial justice. I once served as an intern at a regional theater and in one of the plays we presented that year, the plot hinged on something unexplainable and highly improbable, which is one definition for science fiction. It was the 1965 play Day of Absence by African-American playwright Douglas Turner Ward. In the story, white citizens of a racist town awaken one day to find that all of the African-American residents have mysteriously disappeared. They slowly come to realize that they cannot function without the neighbors that they mistreated and took for granted. Rather than try to solve their problems, they spend the rest of the day panicking and blaming each other in comedic ways. Between the satirical script, the exaggerated makeup and the abstract set, the show turns reality inside out in an effort to alter the audience's collective conscience. Day of Absence shines a spotlight on the links between racial oppression and economic oppression and is an incitement to join a movement for change. Consistent with the revolutionary theater aesthetic, the play is meant to make people uncomfortable. We should be uncomfortable with the real systems of inequality parodied in the play. And it worked. Audiences were uncomfortable. Some patrons were able to take that discomfort and use it to grow. Some patrons were not ready to deal productively with their discomfort. For art or spirituality or dreams or anything else to offer the chance for transformation, creating the opportunity can't wait until everyone is equally ready to begin the journey. One goal of satire is to take something that is true and to exaggerate it until the truth cannot be ignored. When that something is oppression, making art that can't be ignored and suggesting a justice-oriented overhaul to society is going to seem extreme to some people. Speculative fiction by writers of color, even when not satirical, can also use exaggeration for a positive effect. The 2019 HBO Watchmen series explored this, creating an alternate history that lifted out problems with racism and policing in our own timeline. And then the Broken Earth trilogy by N.K. Jemisin explores extremes of climate change and identity-based exploitation and weaves in glimpses of generational trauma between parents and children trying to survive in a society that rejects their wholeness. Extremes in literature can reflect back to us the plain truth. 
Similarly, a dream that draws people together for the hope of a society that is very different from what we have, a dream that reimagines the future of justice and economic opportunity is going to be considered extreme, which is not a good thing by some standards. Every time there is a popular movie or TV show in the science fiction fantasy genre that uses multiracial casting, and every time a speculative fiction novel by a writer of color receives sales or awards, there are claims that social justice warriors are running amok or that trends have gone too far. Allowing for multiracial imagination is considered a violation of balance, a bridge too far. Inclusion is considered extreme rather than a tool for bringing imagined futures into, bring, into being. Dr. King explored this critique of extremism. In Letter from a Birmingham Jail, he expresses some initial frustration at being labeled an extremist for his peaceful methods. It seemed that any movement toward change was too radical for the white moderate clergy. And we should remember that Dr. King was not popular during his lifetime. But the status quo was not and is not acceptable. Dr. King writes, so I have not said to my people, get rid of your discontent. Rather, I have tried to say that this normal and healthy discontent can be channeled into the creative outlet of nonviolent direct action. And now this approach is being termed extremist. But though I was initially disappointed at being categorized as an extremist, as I continued to think about the matter, I gradually gained a measure of satisfaction from the label. Was not Jesus an extremist for love? Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And Dr. King gives a few more examples before he goes on. So the question is not whether we will be extremists, but what kind of extremists we will be. Will we be extremists for hate or love? Will we be extremists for the preservation of injustice or for the existence and the extension of justice? Perhaps the South, the nation and the world are in dire need of creative extremists. I believe the nation and the world are in need of creative extremists. We need dreamers, we need bold playwrights, courageous writers and artists who cannot be ignored. We need the power to imagine a more just and radically different future. Another point that connects science fiction with visions of equality is that dreams need help to become reality. We often hear that the arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. But the unwritten part of that is that actual people have to do some bending. Dr. King wrote about that too. He uses man in a way that was common at the time to mean people of all genders, and he invokes his own religious tradition, but we can all hear the collective responsibility in this passage. In his letter from a Birmingham jail, Dr. King wrote, human progress never rolls in on wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts of men willing to be co-workers with God. And without this hard work, time itself becomes an ally of the forces of social stagnation. We must use time creatively in the knowledge that the time is always ripe to do right. Now is the time to make real the promise of democracy and transform our pending national elegy into a creative psalm of brotherhood. Now is the time to lift our national policy from the quicksand of racial injustice to the solid rock of human dignity. 
we can and should have hope. We still need to act according to our values. No act of encouragement, no vote cast, no letter written is a wasted effort. We must use time creatively. In the case of arts, literature, and entertainment, we must also use time travel creatively. Progress does not happen by accident. Michelle Nichols, who played Lieutenant Uhura in the original Star Trek series, spoke about the creation of her character and why she chose to stay on the show. None of it was an accident. When she first met Jean Roddenberry, she was in the middle of reading a book on Uhuru, which is the Wahili word for freedom. Roddenberry became more convinced than ever that he wanted a black woman on the bridge of the Enterprise. And Nichols said, when the show began and I was cast to develop this character, I was cast as one of the stars of the show. The reality of the matter was the industry was not ready for a woman or a black and certainly not the combination of the two. And you have to remember this was 1966 in that kind of role on that equal basis and certainly not that kind of power role. Nichols was also an accomplished singer and stage actress. The producers never told her about the volume of fan mail she was receiving, and she was considering leaving the show to join a theatrical production headed for Broadway when she was at an event, probably a fundraiser for the NAACP, but Nichols doesn't remember clearly, and was asked to meet a fan. And the fan turned out to be the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He told her how much he enjoyed the show and that it was the only show he and his wife allowed their children to stay up late to watch. She told him that she was planning to resign. You cannot, he said. Nichols goes on. Dr. King said to me, don't you understand that you have the first non-stereotypical role in television in a major TV series of importance and you establish us as we are supposed to be, as equals, whether it's ethnic, racial, or gender. I was breathless. Thank you. And yes, I will stay. Nichols' decision to stay had a ripple effect. Whoopi Goldberg said that the first time she saw Lieutenant Uhura on television was a major turning point for her as a child. Mae Jemison, the first African-American astronaut in space, spoke about Uhura as an inspiration. Stacey Abrams is a fan, and the Star Trek cast is a fan of hers. You may have heard about Star Trek-themed political fundraisers last year. The secret to being part of the future of a multiracial democracy? Engage. The inner workings of a TV show with cheesy special effects, beloved as that show may be, might seem inconsequential to the future of human rights. And I maintain that anything that expands our ability to dream of a better world is necessary. Stories that give us building blocks for change make a difference and representation matters. People are hungry for diverse, respectful, innovative stories. Representation increases the chances that someone from a marginalized group can get the resources to tell their own stories rather than relying on the dominant group to borrow them. In this age of communication, it is possible to engage people from all over the planet in a conversation about our shared future. The trick is we have to work to make sure all of the voices are included. The dream of a better world needs people who can make it a reality. Imagination is key and it is a starting point. In Emergent Strategy, Andrea Marie Brown writes, science fiction is simply a way to practice the future together. I suspect that is what many of you are up to, practicing futures together, practicing justice together, living into new stories. It is our right and responsibility to create a new world. What we pay attention to grows. 
So I'm thinking about how we grow what we are all imagining and creating into something large enough and solid enough that it becomes a tipping point." End quote. Earlier, you heard another quote from the book in which Brown names the beloved community that we can use imagination and ourselves to grow into. She names a future without police and prisons, a future without rape, harassment, constant fear, and childhood sexual assault, a future without war, hunger, and violence, with abundance, where gender is a joyful spectrum. Brown frames this imagined future world, this beloved community, as a project of both imagination and community organizing. A better world is possible. The arts, in particular science fiction, can ignite a kind of a dream state. By using time and time travel creatively, we can envision a world of justice, equality, and compassion. We have yet more ways to craft stories and plans that, that respect the inherent worth and dignity of every person. The dream of economic equality, the dream of equal voting rights, the dream of equal protection under the law, all need foundations built under them. If we wish to count ourselves among the dreamers, let us take action. We continue to build coalitions with partner organizations of other faiths and cultures. We can send representatives to workshops and meetings and listen carefully to their findings when they return. We can read about dismantling oppression and share what we find with each other. This community is a place where we can dream freely. Let us use time effectively let us enter into the powers of myth, creativity, and art to imagine a better future. And then let us work and plan to make that future come to pass. May our dreams refresh us and energize us for the tasks ahead. May it be so. After some music, we'll have community sharing time when you can write into the chat about what resonated with you today. A framing question might help spark a memory of a personal experience or your direct observation. It's like a writing prompt, you can use it or not. And here's the question. What inspires you in your dreams for a better world? Is it literature? Is it drama? Is it factual nonfiction reading? Is it watching people at work and organizing? What inspires you in your dreams for a better world? As we contemplate, rest and reflect, let us experience the beauty of the musical response. There is no freedom, no license, let justice roll down, roll down with the poor cry out for shelter and bread. Let justice roll down. Let love roll down like a mighty stream. 
Justice roll down like a mighty stream. Thank you so much to the West Chorus. And uh, now we move on to community sharing. There's so much to unpack in that, uh, in that platform. Thank you, Lynn. And this is a time when we will add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on this platform and what resonates in our own lives. You may consider the framing question, what inspires you in your dreams for a better world? I invite you to share in the Zoom chat or Facebook comments. Okay, so let's see now. I know it takes a minute to scroll. <laughs> yeah, it does. Wow, and there are so many comments. Let me just scroll up and Octavia Butler is one of my high school's pr proudest alums, says Barry Galef. I just finished John Meacham's book, The Truth is Marching On about John Lewis. It's a great example of what Lynn is saying and a needed history for the movement. This is Laura Steele. Um, public, uh, thank you so much for the Star Trek story. I grew up with that show, says Mark Meyer, and watch it today still. So in fact, did I, Mark. Uh, I watched it while I was at college and it was kitschy and it was fantastic. Uh, Patricia says, thank you for the gift of your voices. Beautiful music, says Mark. Thank you for the gift of your voices. Karen says this morning had an exquisite combination of elements, the readings, the meditation, all the music and the lyrical singing, the address, so much beauty and powerful imagination. And I hear the call to accountability, which can and must exist alongside the beauty. And in fact, is the best way to nurture and enhance the beauty of what may yet be. Uh, Perry says, many things inspire me, my recent ancestors, science fiction, my experiences in high tech. I saw what miracles can be achieved when we get serious about the awesome difficulty of the remaining problems and figure out what needs to be done to overcome the challenges to achieve a better world. 
or a more advanced technology. Um, having a little difficulty deciphering the names, but someone says, yes, outstanding. I think it's Karen who says, um, sorry, Judy says, what inspires me is talks like Lynn's this morning. And uh, Adam says, uh, here, here, Maceo, my friends and I had a great laugh when the comic book conservatives get so mad to change a superhero character black as if only white people can fly or have mutant power like reading minds or can stick to walls like a spider. The limitations of the imagination created by white supremacy have held our country back for 402 years. <clears throat> Julie says, my children, all children at West, all children, period. Uh, uh, Joe says, that was a great platform, really enjoyed it. I liked the point about the need for people to have a voice in the matters that concern them. Perry says, I think my impetus to work for equal rights for all comes from my childhood experience of feeling like an outsider. Uh, Joe London says, Felix Adler called the process of dreaming and then acting the reality producing function of the mind. Great quote. Uh, from Michael, very nice music and service, thank you. Patricia Weil says, oh, Trish says, I find that I have lost the habit of feeling that I can affect the future. We'll have to grow that back, grow back into it. There's been too much resignation. I couldn't agree with you more. Ed says, my inspiration comes from a lifetime of seeing this nation bend towards justice, slow and lurching at times, but in very real ways. Karen says, I hope we can get a reading list from Lynn's references. Uh, Lynn, if you could give us those references in the chat, that'll be fantastic. Jenna says, more recently, I've been helped along in my radical imagining by this video challenging us to see a different world post-pandemic. And she's given the reference in the chat for those of, who are interested, uh, theintercept.com. Perry says, oh, I'm sorry. He said that was Peter, not Perry. Okay, I know. It's a little difficult to decipher the names when, when you're trying to scroll through the chat. Thanks for that clarification, Perry. Uh, Judy says, yippee, Leah, for mixing us together in such a wonderful way. Um, I'm not sure who this is, but I think our new president wants to attack some of these big problems and injustices, and I'm hopeful about that. I think that's Dana. Uh, a telephone number, so I don't know who this is. Watching people reach out to each other and be kind to each other inspires me. Um, I think Joe says, I also appreciate the point about the dangers of white moderates who prioritize order over justice. So easy to fall prey to that mentality. Um, Joni says, it reminds me of Achibi, uh, uh, Achibi's book, where the poor will not accept arms and thus the rich cannot go to heaven and how they must all work it out. Wonderful talk, says Joni. Um, I work for many uh, BIPOC, BIPOC women and they inspire me not just to think about eliminating oppression but creating conditions where all people can thrive and have joy. Uh, from Facebook, Brian Peshigian says, wonderful platform today, thanks to all. Um, FYI, there are multiple good shows about Black experience on MPT1 and WHUT today. Uh, 
Perry is clarifying one more time that the first quote was from Peter Bishop and the second quote was from Perry. Sorry for the confusion. Um, Robin says, check out the Facebook video for all the posts. The links are also in the platform address text in the members section. I, and there are so many, many more comments. This has been a wonderfully rich conversation, which I hope will continue. Um, I'm going to move um, on to the next section of our platform, just as we share our perspectives in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at WES, we split the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. As we prepare for the collection, I'd like to repeat our welcome to visitors. We invite you to be our guests today and ask our visitors not to feel pressured by the collection. We appreciate each person's generous giving as they are able. This month, half the offering is dedicated to the Food Justice Initiative. FJI distributes food and essential pro uh, products to struggling families in the DC, Maryland and Virginia area. FGI began as a part of the Sanctuary DMV network, which Wes has participated in for four years. The pandemic has raged through in immigrant and working class communities in our area. FGI has provided tens of thousands of time critical meals to our neighbors in Langley Park, Silver Spring, Northern Virginia and DC. In November alone, FGI distributed 70,000 pounds of produce through our partner, the Capital Area Food Bank. FGI is an all-volunteer group, so every dollar that is received goes directly into food for our neighbors, many of whom have been left out of government COVID relief work. It's going to be a long winter. Please give generously to those who need it most. Uh, you'll also see a giving by text uh, option uh, on the screen and you can give a gift online through the donate button on our website at ethicalsociety.org. We will now receive your gifts and the musician's gift of music. Darkness cannot drive away darkness. Only light can do Hatred cannot drive away hatred, only love can do that. All you soldiers of peace, hatred has an enemy. If you want the fighting to cease, remember these words from the fallen king. Darkness cannot drive away darkness. Only light can do that. Hatred drive away hatred only love can do that 
Thank you so much to the many people who helped create this morning's time together. Interim Music Coordinator Leah Morris, the West uh, Washington Ethical Society Chorus, guest musicians, UU Voices, Arch Alcantara, Kristen Jones, Andres Salguero, and the Reverend Dr. Raymond Anderson. Thank you also to Maceo Thomas, our membership coordinator, and to Robin Kravitz and for the communication support and for hosting our Coffee Hour. Thank you to Jen Watson, who created our slides and will be who will be happy to teach anyone else who'd like to take that task on when she steps down at the end of this month. And thank you to our wonderful tech host as well. And thank you to those who are leading and supporting our work in the week to come. At the conclusion of the platform, please join us for virtual coffee hour. Once we're in the Zoom coffee hour space, we'll divide into groups. Today, we're trying an experiment with choose your own breakout group. This is going to be a, a difficult trick to pull off and to administer rather than the random groups that we've used so far, but we're hoping that we can try this once a month. Today, there will be a group of pa for parents, okay? A group for those who attend West without a partner or family solo, plus the regular groups for socializing and discussing. To get to Coffee Hour after closing words, point your browser to tiny.cc forward slash West Coffee Hour. For those who'll be joining uh, with us uh, uh, for some time and want to engage more deeply in our community, a path to membership program cohort begins January 31st. Uh, Macia will tell you all about it. West members are welcome also to an inauguration day Zoom gathering this Wednesday, January 20th. We'll start with a meditation at 9 a.m. and plan to conclude around 1 p.m. Interim leader Lynn Cox will remain on Zoom throughout the morning. When live events begin streaming, we'll watch them together and use the chat function on Zoom to comment. Members are welcome to drift in and out during the gathering. Whatever happens Wednesday morning, we can be together virtually as it unfolds. Next week also, please join us right back here at 10.30 in the morning for Platform. We'll talk about the sense of awe, wonder, and unity that comes from studying the origins of the universe. We have opportunities for West members and friends to connect virtually during the week, including support meetings and discussion groups. You can find the details for that and all our other events on our website calendar at https colon forward slash double slash ethicalsociety.org forward slash. Finally, thank you for being here today. Let's enjoy together our closing song for the month performed by interim music coordinator, Leah Morris, accompanied by Aaron Hill. If we can learn what it means to really love ourselves, then we can learn to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And we can live in harmony, see ourselves as a family. This is my prayer for humanity.
That we respect our women and protect our girls. That they feel safe in every corner of the world. That we can live in harmony. See ourselves as a family. This is my prayer. For humanity. That every man will be a father to someone By loving every boy as, as if he were his, his only son That we can live in harmony See ourselves as a family This is my prayer For humanity That we know that nobody really wins a war And every leader knows what power is really for That we can live in harmony See ourselves as a family This is my prayer For humanity Every man, woman, boy, and girl would feel these words all across the world. That every man, woman, boy, and girl will feel these words all across the world. That every man, woman, boy, and girl will feel these words all across the world. This is my prayer for humanity. Thank you as always to Leah. Uh, before going for the uh, the closing words, I just wanted to correct something. Uh, I forgot to mention Sonia Coopers, our magnificent tech guru in our appreciation and announcement sections. Thank you, Sonia. Without you, none of this would happen as smoothly as, as it does. Now for our closing words. And I invite you now to join me in our closing words for the month. Let us go into the world the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment, finding imagination and resolve in this community for our hearts and for our quest for a better world. Again, please join us for virtual coffee hour. You can find the link on the slide or in the chat tiny.cc forward slash West Coffee Hour. If you are new to our community, please do send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, and introduce yourself. Maceo T at ethicalsociety.org. Okay, take care everybody. Look forward to seeing you in the uh, in the uh, chat shortly.
Thanks, Karen. Thanks to Trang, who sent a message saying that she enjoyed the uh, platform. Roberta said this platform was beautiful, epitomizing the work and philosophy of MLK. I was moved many times and it inspired me to hope and act with love and compassion. Justine says that I found in past platforms, I'm inspired by the musical messages and the platform themes. I'm sincerely encouraged to live each day with the messages I carry with me throughout my social interactions and dreams through this week and beyond. Thank you to all. John Lowy says, wonderful and inspiring platform. Thanks to all. And thank you again for being here. It was wonderful and I really want to thank uh, personally want to thank uh, uh, Lynn for a, a really inspiring platform today. Thank you and see you all in coffee hour.